You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, buns, buns. Hello, lovers. Welcome to You Gotta Love It, the show where you tell us and the rest of the world the things that you love that we might have missed, the show where you can come to discover the best things you never knew existed, and the show where you can force us to sit through the worst entertainment you can find and say, well, you gotta love it. My name is Koji. I am a, ooh, I don't even know, part-time, I'm trying to think what The Void was even about, evil fighter creature evil creature fighter or doctor who turns psycho small town cop uh yeah part-time small town cop and full-time giant giant kaiju just alcoholic how about just alcoholic (laughs) um and with me for the first time is my good friend and always ready rowback vanessa Hi. Andrew is has left me for Japan. And I thought we had enough episodes banked, but we clearly didn't. So what we're doing here is a little special guest pre or not pre. What's what's the word? We're doing like a collaboration, podcast collaboration between You Gotta Love It and the Crystal Ballroom. This is basically the Crystal Ballroom without the cards or the guest. <laughs> so only vaguely, superficially like the Crystal Ballroom. Sure. Well, I mean, it's pretty close, though. It's us two rambling. That's true. And I have my cards in my bag. Uh, I, I did a reading for someone earlier today, so they're still in my in my purse. Was that the trade? Yeah. Oh, for the... Do, whoa, whoa, do you have the Crystal Ball? Yeah, I do. I can go get it. Okay, so uh, for those of you who don't know, welcome, because we are on the Buns Podcast Network. And uh, what Buns is, is a trading platform. And what Vanessa's talking about here is she did a tarot reading in exchange for a crystal ball. And it's, it is indeed. It's small, but it's, it's, uh, it's it, not the size that counts. It's how you use it. Um, I want to do some like Bowie-esque, but although it was It's too Bowie. heavy. I have one of those though. I can bring that for you tomorrow if I can wow. find it. I met the guy who was the hands. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, anyway, on to the show. So this week's hidden gem is the Anne Hathaway vehicle, Colossal. And the You Gotta Love It is an indie horror movie called The Void. So as always, we're going to start with the hidden gem, Colossal. Um, I'm going to try and be as spoiler-free as Possible, although I don't know. Is there? You can't really spoil this movie. Well, <clears throat> I mean, if someone the told- the basic premise of the movie is like how they're advertising it, <clears throat> so you can't spoil that. But I think the spoiler comes in like the twist of like who the bad guy is and how it plays out. Sure, but we can't we can't discuss this movie and not talk about those things. True. Because so, that's what makes the movie so good. So if anyone listening is wants to see that movie without spoilers, pause this, go yeah. watch it, and then come back. Yeah. I mean, we usually, as our listeners probably know by now, we tend to spoil things 
like pretty brutally. So, but yeah, definitely watch the movie and then, and then talk to us because it's probably better going in blind. But mm. when, when the movie first started, I thought it was going to be some sort of metaphor for alcoholism. Right, because it, it it seemed in my head I didn't connect it with. Hold on, let's rewind. So the movie is about a girl, woman, who uh, has some life troubles, moves back home, and at the same time as all this is happening, a giant monster is attacking Seoul, Korea, and she comes to find out that she is in fact the monster. So when she you know steps forward the monster steps forward potentially crushing a building or something when the monster gets shot by a missile she gets like a pain in her neck or something along those lines and then of course hilarity ensues question mark <laughs> but not really it's not a funny movie no and so i thought it was going to be uh sort of an allegory for alcoholism because i thought like oh every time she gets drunk she, the monster appears and that's like the monster because she's like a drunken monster like she's mean mm -hmm. to people in her life and whatever and i thought that's what it was going to be but it's not even i didn't even connect it with the park you know and then i realized like oh it's something totally different yeah well looking at the, all the promotional material i thought it was going to be like a garden state twee manic pixie dream girl rom-com i thought it was going to be a comedy for sure it is like i thought it'd be like yeah like a like a dark but still adorable comedy mm -hmm. um and then it started and i was like oh okay so like the dark issue is going to center around her like drinking problems and her irresponsibility and like that you know mm -hmm. her, her inner monsters become like real monsters and i was like okay i get that and then i was and then i was thinking okay so it's going to be this like cute like they're going to figure out how to resolve it in this cute allegorical way using the actual monster. Like the monster will do some like funny things and you know, the monster will like, will be the one who is, you know, courting her suitor or something like that. Like there'll be that kind of yeah. scene, but then she'll realize that she can, you know, release her monsters and then the, the kaiju goes away. Mm -hmm. But no, that was not, that was not the movie. That was not the movie that was made. That was the movie that was promoted. Yeah. In 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 this day and age, as much as it pains me to say this, I feel like if you are the type of person who needs to have trigger warnings before film, this this is one of those films that should have that because mm -hmm. it's it ends up being about abuse, really, more than yeah. anything. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't skirt showing the abuse in a pretty like you know for a, a, a what's essentially a fantasy film mm -hmm. um showing it in a pretty realistic and like brutal way which i have to commend it for because that doesn't that sort of um relatable day-to-day -day abuse is rarely shown with that type of uh accuracy in media it it, it so that part for me was the most drastic twist because you're like Oh, uh, her boyfriend is an asshole. He's like, he's not abusive physically, but he's certainly like mentally, verbally abusive and not very supportive. Although in the beginning, she's not really living a life that should be supported anyway. Like when the movie starts off, you think, okay, maybe he's doing the right thing, right? Like he's cleansing her from his life. 
And then he goes to try and win her back. But as soon as you see him again, the the initial boyfriend, you're like, oh, no, this guy's a fucking jerk. Because mm-hmm. at first he, he's he's berating her for having no aspirations and just partying all the time, which I feel like sometimes people need that wake-up call. So I was like, okay, I'll give you a pass on that one. Right? But then he comes back and he's like, you're a fucking... You work in a bar? Like, yeah. Why? That's better than the nothing that she was doing before. So, like, relax, buddy. Yeah. You know? But then the the hometown friend turns out to be, like, the biggest jerk of all time. The guy you think, like, he's super nice. And then, like, some weird shit happens. And then he's, like, super nice again. And you're like, okay, well, then maybe it's fine now. Like, maybe he was just... Well, it, it's funny that you say that because viewing it as a woman, um, like for me, the second that uh, the childhood friend shows up, yeah. I'm just like, Ugh, he's creepy and weird and gross. But it's really? not. Yeah. But it's not because he's specifically, it, it's kind of what he's not doing as much as what he is doing. And so it's interesting that for you, you're like, oh yeah, he's like, he's the one that she falls for, like obviously. And then there's this big twist. But mm-hmm. for me watching it, like I see red flags that if I met this guy in real life or if one of my friends was dating this guy, I'd be like, I don't like him. See, I, I didn't necessarily think that they were going to like, I honestly thought she might get back together w- with the mm-hmm. boyfriend. Um, I, I wasn't really thinking that she might end up with him, but I like he seemed, I mean, he, he seemed helpful. Like he had gotten her furniture and he wasn't really asking for anything in return. And then once she started working for him, that's when I started to feel a little bit like, mm, this is kind of strange now, but... Well, there's all these little red flags scattered throughout the movie before you it's sort of rev- shown to you how bad he really is. But mm-hmm. um, off the top of my head, there's one of the very first scenes that you see a whole bunch of people interacting in is when they're at the bar and the dumb guy is like making a move on Anne Hathaway and the, the childhood friend, we should probably look up the names of these people. I think it's Oscar. Okay. Well, I mean, you can just use but his real name. Um, Jason, Jason Sudeikis, Sudeikis is the childhood friend. Yeah. So, um, he like flips out yeah. on, uh, on like the dumb guy who's like, you get the as the movie goes on you get the idea that he was sort of the the whipping boy before Anne Hathaway shows up sure um because he's like this like big burly like jockish dude but he's dumb as a post like really meek and and sweet and and nice but yeah um so you get the idea that he's the one who gets beat up on sort of in, mm-hmm. in their friend circle well i just um, got the impression that he was jealous like he was just a super jealous but dude but even that is like, okay, what claim does this guy have on Anne Hathaway, who he's literally not seen in probably 15 years or something like that? Yeah. Um, like, if she, she, you know, she is an individual who has, like, no connection to him whatsoever beyond them growing up together. She has no obligation to him. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with this guy. Like, he has no obligation to, to Jason Sudeikis either. Yeah, yeah. So for him to respond the way he does in the movie is like insane. It's insane. So this is interesting. This is interesting, I think, because I don't know if Andrew and I would have gotten into this sort of conversation, but I almost, I, when I first saw it, like let's remove the entire context of the rest of the movie. When that scene first came up, I kind of gave it a pass because I thought one, well, two things. 
first thing, like if we're being really honest, first thing is like, as a guy, if I was in that situation with my friends and another one of my friends was like, hey, this, this is so-and-so, you know, whatever, we're having drinks, I would just assume, like I wouldn't personally make a move until I had talked to him and been like, yo, are you guys like a thing? You know, and if he was like, yeah, no, then, then, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done anything otherwise. But more than that, I think that like his, uh, it was her sort of reaction to, to, uh, the like slower guy trying to go in for the kiss. She was like, whoa, she was kind of freaked out about it that he kind of was like, yeah, what are you doing, man? Like, I get I, that. I, I agree with, and I think that was actually, um, a misstep in the way it was directed. I think she should have responded not so... Because, I mean, like, that is, I think, not an unrealistic response. Mm -hmm. In real life, um, I think you just be like, what the... F like, if that wasn't on your mind, you'd just be like, what the hell, man? But I think for storytelling purposes, she shouldn't have responded, like, so um, dramatically because it sort of gives him a, you know, quote-unquote reason to flip out. Yeah, yeah, I agree. If she had just been like... No. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of playful about it. Yeah. Then it w and and then he still flipped out. It would have like, you know, it would have been more obvious that the and yeah. maybe that was he, like part of the the point because mm -hmm. if that had happened, would you have like keyed in that he was a bad guy? Maybe. Well, maybe you, sooner. You definitely key in that something's up. Yeah. You know, like you already do because he does overreact a little bit, but. I guess as a as a guy, I can kind of brush it off and just be like, okay, that's like part looking out for your friend, part jealousy, mm -hmm. you know. And so like, I'm just like, yeah, okay, whatever. But yeah, but then like, what? As soon as you see him drunk for the first time, I think yeah, you realize you're like, oh like, fuck, yeah. like what the hell is going on here? Yeah, and and that's the other thing too is um, it's like a very sort of honest interpretation of that type of abuse cycle where someone gets drunk, it gives them the excuse to go out of control, mm -hmm. be abusive, like whether it's physically or um, verbally or, or whatever it is. And then the next day they're like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'll never do that again. Like, please forgive me. Like, I know that was so bad, but it just, that's all it is. It's just, um, it's a manipulation tactic to get right. the other person back in a position where they can be abused again. And well, he takes it to an extreme though. Right. Because like she is his employee and he starts doing weird shit. Yeah. Well, cause there's another part before that too, where he gets weird. I can't remember exactly before, before he like really f like gets weird and shitty, um, at the bar. Forget what it was exactly. Well, he orders her around at one point to like, that happens later. That's what. That's the fireworks part. No, before that, there's one other point before that where he asks her to do, like they're talking about doing something, and and then he's like, "Well, are you gonna okay. do it?" And I was like, "Whoa, okay." Yeah, that might be. Uh, yeah, I can't remember now. I'd have to go back. I didn't take notes, which I should have done. Because the fireworks part is after he he. That's when the boyfriend comes to like fetch her. Right. Um. But yeah. But and even so, like another like red flag is the way that he's talking about his um his ex girlfriend yeah um it, it's sort of the the whole thing where it's like if you like meet a guy who describes all of his exes are crazy mm -hmm. then you're like well there's a constant here and the constant is you it's right. really unlikely that you actually dated 
all these completely separate people who, who had like severe mental health problems. Yeah. You're probably an asshole who's bringing out uh, like a reaction in these people. Sure. Which then you are justifying in your head as being like, oh, these are just, you know, bitches be crazy. I think that's the theme of the movie, right? Is because she, she is, is in that same situation where she's kind of attracting these, these like losers or like these abusers or whatever. But like she's also kind of shitty herself in the beginning of the movie. And I think it's not until she realizes that like, oh, I'm also the problem and kind of leaves to, to do what she's going to do at the end of the movie. Yeah. It's not until then that like she starts to get better. And then she has that cry at the bar. Yeah. I haven't decided if I like that. She sort of gets redeemed at the end because the movie does have a weird like man hating vibe to it which made me a little uncomfortable to watch because the guys there there are no redeeming male figures in the movie and the movie is centered around like relationships like the the whole premise of the movie is like the relationship that she has with these different people and, and abuse and right, the simple um, unhealthy guys relation. but I mean, even he's shitty in his own way because yeah, cause he doesn't stop the he other doesn't, guy yeah, yeah he yeah. he's just as bad as like someone who's like in a bar and is like seeing a guy like hit his girlfriend or something and doesn't step up and be like yo what the fuck man because mm-hmm. it's one thing to be like you know a woman who wants to stand up for someone but legitimately being afraid of you know, being hurt because you are smaller or, sure. or whatever where, and I'm not saying that it's necessarily just because you're a guy, you have to like step in and fight, mm-hmm. but there's a, it's just a cultural thing that one, I think well, has to acknowledge that like, if a guy yeah. says something to another guy, if, if the shitty guy, if, if someone is a shitty enough guy to treat his girlfriend like that in the first place, yeah. he's probably the same kind of shitty guy to respect another guy's opinion more than a, another woman's opinion. Okay. So he has more leverage to say like, hey, asshole, fucking cut it out with a, a lot smaller of a chance that there will be repercussions than if a, a woman says the exact same thing. Well, do, do you think that there's any redeemable other than her kind of getting hers at the end? Are there any good characters in this in this movie? Like, like not good g- people? Yeah. Well, I think she gets played as like being a good person at her core, which which is does she? I don't well, know. I, well, I think that's the and, and so this is my struggle because um, I think that's I, why I, I like this movie though. Well, because it's not I clear. Wish, I wish that they kept her as being more obviously like a piece of shit. Because, you know, there's all all the men in the movie are clearly kind of shitty. Well, somebody has to learn something by the end of the movie or else like, yeah. like it's not, there's no story arc. Yeah. And there's like, there's no satisfaction to you're, watching a film like that. You're just watching Bad Lieutenant. But, <laughs> but I like, I kind of, so th- like for her, the turn in her, uh, in her arc is when she, you know, is hit by the realization that her actions have directly hurt or killed or endangered, you know, innocent people on the other side of the planet. Mm-hmm. But she's shown to be an extremely irresponsible, self-centered, selfish, manip- manipulative person. It seems a little too pat that she just is struck with this responsibility 
and, you know, stops drinking cold turkey mm-hmm. and and has taken on this completely different persona. Well, I think it's the first time she she realizes the consequences of her actions because like even when she realizes that she's the monster, she's still fucking around like, ah, I'm the monster. And it's not until she she like kills actually kills a bunch of people mm-hmm. that she's like, oh, like, yeah, my shit has consequences. Yeah. You know? And so I think that's maybe what drives her to be like, well, wait, this is serious. Mm-hmm. And then no one around her realizes, still doesn't realize how serious it is. I guess that, that's like her rock bottom or whatever. You know, and then she changes her life and yeah. tells the guy to fuck off. And Anyway, so you liked it, though. Generally, yeah. I thought it was a little curious that there were no other female characters in the movie. Um, well, there's only like five characters in the movie total. Pretty much. Yeah, but like they could have even made like one of the other bar friends, like and like a, like the cokehead guy. They could have made him a woman, for example. But I think it or it, it makes sense. or you could have seen her sister, sure, in New York, for example. And I thought that was weird because technically the movie passes the Bechdel test or whatever it's called, Bechdel, because she talks to her sister um, about something that's not men. Uh, men. Yeah, but. It's the only scene where she talks to anyone outside of the, the core. Mm-hmm. And it's such like a, just a plot pusher thing. It actually, it actually has nothing to do really with the characters. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of a weird choice, but I mean, not that I think that necessarily affects the movie, but it I, was on my mind. I don't think that that guy would be hanging out with girls on a regular basis though. Yeah, that's true. That's probably pretty unrealistic. But so just to, to have one in there just to have one is kind of weird. And she doesn't like her life is pretty small. I think that's, that's kind of the point in, mm, in my yeah. eyes. Cause I feel like if, she, if she had somewhere else to go, cause when she gets back to her hometown, there's no family waiting for her. Mm-hmm. You don't see any of her friends. The only friend you see is this guy. And then the only people she hangs out with after meeting this guy are his friends. And I think that's kind of the point is like she doesn't have anything That's true. Else. Like she's isolated and she, that's what allows abuse to right. happen or whatever. Yeah, that's a good point actually. If she had some, somebody else would just be like, what, what are you doing? Like what the fuck's going on here? Uh, anyway, but would you recommend other people watch this movie? Yeah, I think it's really interesting the way that the sort of deeper meaning of the movie was approached. Um and generally speaking, I liked it. I, I also liked it and would definitely recommend. The more I think about it, the more I like it. So, yeah. You know what else I like? Buns. <laughs> Buns is a lot of things to a lot of people. For some, it's a place to find jobs or homes. For others, it's a resource for recommendations or to keep their finger on the pulse of their communities. Speaking of recommendations, by the way, we sometimes pull movie uh, or not even movie media recommendations from Buns. So if you got one, uh, Bunsiverse, hit me up on the Buns app at Koji, K-O-H-J-I, and let me know uh, what we should talk about on the show. But Buns is also the home of the world's most vibrant bartering network. Overall, Buns is a city network connecting you with friends who haven't made... Connecting you with friends you haven't made yet to get the best of your urban living. Like this crystal ball. <laughs> right? Uh, so, yeah, check it out, guys. Buns.com. Uh, I think we need to... 
I think I need to talk to somebody about reworking the copy here. It's available on the uh, Apple App Store and the Google Play Store, or you can just log in at buns.com. That that's like we should probably repeat that several times throughout this copy, so that we don't just talk about a thing that people don't know where to get. Again, that's b u n z dot com, not b u n s dot com. You'll probably end up with either some sort of porn site or some sort of bread fetish site. Yeah, so. I feel like it would be a Japanese bread. Like that face bread girl on Instagram, something like that. It's just bread molded in the shape of people's butts. Mm-hmm. Or breasts. But then they wouldn't be buns. Yeah, I guess. Well, it would have to be buns buns if it was only butts. W- would it? Yeah, wouldn't it? Well, because like, people call bread just, buns. Yeah, I guess. And then butts just are also like, buns. Like sensual bread. In any shape, I think buns works for the brand. Sure, I guess so. I just I'm I'm picturing a goatsy type situation. Jam filling. Yeah, some sort of sandwich. Sweet some, bread. Some sort of of, of goatsy. Um, oh, what are those? What are those donuts called with the filling inside? Like Berliners. Anyway, some sort of jelly filled donut goatsy type situation, but in shape like a butt. Anyway. If you if you, if you if you have one of those, trade it with me on buns.com. Yeah. Are there any uh, baking buns, hot cross buns? Uh, speaking of leaky assholes, let's talk about the void. Uh, I, I have a, I have a sense that this movie made you want to void yourself, uh, or you thought it was somebody else's void because you did not like it at all. I liked it. Kay. I didn't like it. So we had to love this film. But first, why don't you tell us what's, what it's about? Okay, so The Void is ostensibly a Lovecraftian horror film set in a small town where uh, it turns out that there is a creepy small town cult that is trying to open up a, a portal to a demonic plane that has the key to everlasting immortal life unlife more than that though can bring back uh can can sort of imbue people with the with, with the spirits of the dead yeah and so it's all kind of and the, and th- this even kind of is part of my beef with the story i i didn't quite understand that i didn't i, I didn't get the movie well enough to be able to explain it succinctly and completely oh really okay so yeah essentially so, well so much of the um of the plot line is just explained as exposition through like a voiceover rather than actually being part of the film. Yeah, it is pretty lazy. I'll give you that. But essentially the idea is there is a doctor who um, I I believe was like a well-respected doctor who who has saved many lives, but was unable to save the life of his child. His daughter dies and he becomes obsessed with trying to bring her back. And uh, it's kind of like um, a full metal alchemist type situation. <clears throat> he becomes obsessed with dark magics in order to, you know, bring back the life of his daughter, which he sort of succeeds at, kind of. Um, Technically? Yeah. Well, I mean, again, like full metal alchemist, the daughter just comes back as a homunculus homunculus whatever it's called 
this weird monster Nasty creature. Nasty ass monster. Which is one of the parts of the movie that I loved, by the way. But we'll get to that in a second. Anyway, so he becomes obsessed with these dark magics to the point where I think he loses sight of what he was actually trying to do and then just becomes obsessed with gaining ultimate power. And Well, I from what I can tell the the whole reason for his craziness is the, the like the classic Lovecraftian he's exposed to knowledge which human minds can't fathom and it makes him go totally bananas. Sure. Yeah. Um I so my problem with the film, and then I'll tell you about the stuff that I liked because that's why we're here, but my problem with the film, the number one flaw that I saw was why did he have those cultists stop these people from leaving the hospital? You know, the argument, the, initially the argument could be made that he wanted to steal that guy's wife and use her to birth the daughter. But he doesn't because that's the whole reason that that girl is in the, the hospital because she's been impregnated. Right. But we don't know that at the time. Right. You don't find that out until the end. OK. Yeah. But if, so, if we're if we're if we're treating the movie like it's a world that exists. Sure. The the world doesn't require those people to be locked into the hospital. But that's what I'm saying. That's my problem. With yeah. It, right. I'm like, why? And I, again, you could almost argue that like. Maybe he uses that guy's wife to birth that whole weird section of the hospital that shouldn't be there. No, because it's already there by the time he tries to like. Oh yeah, he, he yeah. That's already there. Right, he takes her to the morgue, but like, yeah. she had all that weird shit growing out of her, right? But that doesn't happen until after he brings her to the morgue and like does his freaky surgery. Sure, but like, what 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 did he do? What was that surgery doing? I think the surgery put that weird stuff in her body. Yeah, for what reason though? But exactly, okay. there's no reason because he thought it looked cool. Well, anyway, it's so, like not none of that is explained, so, and I hate it. So, yeah, there are some problems here, but here this is, and you can tell me what you liked and didn't like in a second. But the thing that I loved about this movie, like the number one thing, is it reminded me of. Um, and I'm hoping that you're not too young. I think we're like around the same age. I never asked you how old you are, but, um, when I used to go to the video store to like Blockbuster or Jumbo or one of those places and the new release wall would have all like these sweet movies, but there'd be times when the movie you wanted was just gone. You know, they have like 10 copies and they're all rented. So you go, you, it's essentially like you go now into the inside aisles and you're like, okay, well whatever i don't know what i'm gonna see that's how i like discovered puppet master and toxic avenger and i don't know i can't even think like some of my fa- equilibrium as an example have you seen that by the way no christian bale Mm-mm. it's like better than the matrix almost anyway trust me uh anyway but like you're, you're kind of just like looking at the inside aisles and you're like yeah you know what i'll take this movie and it's not going to be the movie that you wanted to see, but it, it's like entertaining in like a weird sort of Saturday night high school or like junior high movie sort of way. You're like, ah, oh, this is fun. And you're like, you and your buddies are sitting around talking shit about the movie while you're watching it. And that's kind of what this reminded me of. It's like one of those not quite their horror movies, but there's enough there where you're like, yes. And it's a return to creatures, which is something that like in the... 
I guess early 2000s when the whole Japanese horror movie thing took off and it was like uh, The Ring and um, the one about the house, which I can't recall the name of. Probably House. Maybe. It could have been. I mean, Hugh Laurie might have been in it. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, I was like, so what? Now the the evil creatures are just like these faceless, unseen things. Or like paranormal activity is like a perfect mm-hmm. example. Or even Blair Witch. I'm like, no, this is not what I want. I want there to be tangible, weird monsters or monster or killer or whatever roaming around. People trying to get away from this person. Because that's, that's like the entertaining part of horror. Like I understand trying to create a psychological thriller and like doing weird stuff and whatever. And that's fine. One, you know, as one offs for me, but as like a genre in total, I want, um, horror movies to be more like this one. Mm -hmm. And it's been a while since I've seen a horror movie like this one. So I was like, yes. Well, this movie is definitely done as an homage and to some degree, like a pastiche of that eighties body horror. Sure style you know cronenbergian and it's cool though like the cultists were cool the like giant black triangle thing was cool yeah the, the visuals in the movie uh i have no argument with i think that the monster vfx are incredible when the well, guy comes like, back as like the i don't know ultimate creature whatever yeah. it is i'm like ah cool yeah like the, they did that sucks, really but. yeah yeah Th- they did that stuff really well which and and the other side of that which i appreciate is that um it's it's shown it's lit yeah. it's not just uh, a goopy arm coming out of yeah. you know black shadow it's not implications yeah they they show it and and they're proud of their craftsmanship which in my opinion i think is the only saving grace of this film mm-hmm. um because like like i got i got the same feeling watching it as i as i did watching the thing for example this uh sort of looming horror monster gross weirdness Mm -hmm. but ultimately it it all just felt so superficial to me because even all of those nasty horror movies the the ones that have lasted Mm -hmm. and are seen as actually good movies not just you know these c grade like gross for the sake of being gross or uh, ironic or whatever films the good ones have more depth beyond just like oh there's a monster the monster represents something mm-hmm. or there's you know an arc that we can all relate to where it's like it's it's pulling on like deep-seated animal fears that humans have or whatever it is sure but this movie was just it it felt like um like a student film that had a huge budget attached to it 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 felt flat and and un explored in that sense like the scripting was awful the 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 characters i didn't give a shit about the stuff they were saying and doing made no sense yeah i you know what i had hopes for sure that it was gonna be in the same way that stranger things kind of pulled on some heartstrings where it was like okay it, it harkens back to spielberg type stuff and like some horror elements but more like the sci-fi goonies type mm-hmm. of deal i wanted this to be kind of like that but for like 80s 90s horror mm-hmm. and yeah well i just wanted wasn't. the movie to kind of pick pick a side and stick with it and so the f- like the first pretty much excuse me the first pretty much half or so of the movie mm-hmm. just d- like took forever as far as i, c- I was concerned hmm. 
um, because it it's sort of doing this slow build where it kind of explores the characters, but not really. So I, I don't care about the characters. I don't care that he is, you know, this is his estranged wife. I don't care that this is like a... Yeah, a, a, a young girl who's pregnant and no one knows who the dad is. Like they none of that matters. They, they should have explained it a little further, or cut it. Well, Either or. It, what, no, the no. The way so that I feel, the is girl had to be like they should have made more of a mystery of who's this the the baby's father. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like they should have either gone all in and making this like a character exploration that we connect to the people and we're like oh no it's so sad she's a young girl she like the dad's gone and then it's like the big twist you mm-hmm. find out that she's been impregnated by like the evil guy and you're like oh shit yeah or just cut that out all together and just give me straight gore like from minute five like they they dick around on both sides yeah and so you don't get like a full uh, like character exploration so I don't care about the story you don't get a full like slasher monster creature picture until like the last like, 20 minutes mm-hmm. which also drags on forever because as much as I liked that dreamy weird scape thing that they did yeah. it made no sense in the context of the rest of the film just uh, genre wise I guess right um, so it's like if they kind of like pushed more of the movie into that and faster Mm -hmm. i would have been down with it yeah i think that uh the the guy and his wife didn't need to be estranged they could have just been a loving couple and just been like the everyman of the movie and then they should definitely have explored the like crazy guy and his was that his son or something who knows right yeah who fucking knows it's like but okay like, what, why what? why are they there who are they how do they know what they claim to not know but obviously know yeah. why is nobody except for the um the hospital intern like freaking the fuck out the druggie didn't have to be there either that that was unnecessary yeah unnecessary and like so yeah it, it all of it just felt like they wanted to make something that was cool rather than an actual good movie so what did you like about this movie what did you love the, I thought the visual effects were amazing. That's it? Th- that's pretty much it. And because I was, like I've said this to you before, mm-hmm. um, I was expecting a certain movie because I was on board with The Void when it was an Indiegogo campaign. Yeah, you were trying to get me to go see this in the theater. Yeah. Um, and all of the promo stuff for the movie looked amazing. I thought this was going to be a like balls to the wall, like psychedelic cult Lovecraft horror film mm-hmm. and I was like this is gonna be fucking awesome and then we just get this sort of like milk toast like neither here nor there genre wise movie sure. and so it's like like so my like my beef my main beef if I had to pick one thing that I hated the most mm-hmm. was it's it had the trappings of a Lovecraft film with none of the depth they show us for a brief split second, like the spooky book, but we don't get a close look at it. Mm-hmm. Nothing's explained in the book. We get some like blurry Polaroid photographs of like the meth head and you're like, oh no, he's in on it, but he's actually not like yeah. unnecessary. And then the whole thing with like the doctor, because Lovecraft is just based on like, it's like too horrific to imagine. Right. And the monsters do a good job of being like, okay, if you could try to imagine, you know, if these monsters exist in like four dimensions and right. we can only cram it into three when it comes to earth, 
they do a good job of showing that. But yeah, I think it's pretty good. And like the even when they like get sh- like their faces shot off, those like weird tendrils yeah. come out. And yeah. So so that part is like cool. But then it's like okay, the other half of that is the whole psychological effect that it has on people and it's like the meth head should have been like a normal dude well who went nuts because of all the crazy here's the thing lovecraft shit what should have happened in my opinion would would be to make the meth head guy and like let's say the guy and his son or whatever let's just say it was his son i don't even know maybe they're like uncle yeah i think he like adopted him because he says something about how the monsters took his family or something like that right but and then we get this weird flashback where it's like the guy like the man the old dad guy yeah like it's like his family home yeah or something and he's like you should have saved them or something yeah no no, that made sense what it actually should have been in my mind was that you get rid of the meth head character and instead it's the like son character who has like his throat slashed Mm -hmm is the one that was experimented on in the basement Mm. has gone slightly crazy. And the two of them have come back to get revenge for him going slightly crazy. Yeah. Even that is like a small edit, which like trims the fat, gets rid of the sort of unnecessary characters and gives you more of a reason to care about anything that's happening. Mm. And then like the other side too, is like the doctor was such a wasted opportunity where they, frame his craziness as being a result of losing his daughter right but he should have been like you know what this is awful and you like never fully heal from that but like i'm okay i've moved on but the thing that makes him crazy is seeing all this crazy lovecraft stuff and then that's what tips him over the edge but they don't show that like if you're going to make a lovecraft movie show me show me like the unseeable horrors from that dimension or show me people losing their fucking shit. Like I want to see like the cop should have been like comatose, like non-existent on this world after seeing those monsters. And instead he's like, well, somebody needs to come with me down to the morgue, I guess. Like he's so apathetic about the insanity going on around him. Right. I, yeah, it makes no sense. I, I hate it. I liked this movie. Well, I didn't. <laughs> I liked it more than you did. I would definitely. I mean, in in the right in the right circumstance, watching this movie with the right people, I think would be fine. It's not. It's not something that I would tell everyone to avoid at all costs. Uh, but I feel like you have a different stance. But you mentioned earlier that, you know, it's not on the list of your favorite horror films or like, you know, it's not up there with the thing as an example you gave, but what are some of the other horror movies that you would kind of, you know, like what would you put up there instead, instead of this movie, what other movies would you put on? I know it's pretty much almost anything, but like, you know, best of the best here. Yeah. Well, like I'll I'll be honest. I don't tend to want to watch horror films. That's not my Mm -hmm. uh, go-to. What, I would say is I, I watched this movie because I thought it was going to be like a freaky psychedelic trip out mm-hmm. and it wasn't. So if I was to recommend a movie that made me feel the way I wanted the void to make me feel, yeah. uh, the first thing that comes to mind is altered states. Okay. Um, so that was, oh shit. I'm going to look up the name of the director because I want to get it right on the mic. I'm trying to think of what some of my favorite horror movies are. Have you seen High Tension? That's one of my favorites. Uh, it is extra gory. It opens with uh, the killer uh, in his kill wagon getting head from a lady. 
and then oh, you then find I've read that about it's, this, yeah. it's a severed head. Yeah. So, and that, that's, that's like the first like five minutes of the movie. Yeah. So I'm not giving too much away, but that's probably one of my favorite horror movies is High Tension. Yeah. So Altered States, um, it's a film by Ken Russell. Um, he is a, a well-known director. He directed um, uh, Tommy. Okay. But he also directed this film called The Devils, which was like banned when it was made because of all this like crazy religious, um, the the religious imagery in the movie was like offensive. Right. And there's like a, a scene where there's all these like nuns raping um, uh, like a statuette of like Jesus. It's pretty messed up. So this is a movie that he made that wasn't banned where it's about um, a like a psychonaut psychology professor in like the sort of the tail end of the swing in 60s who is exploring um trying to get to like the next stage of human development using psychedelics and float tanks and um you know all that all that stuff that's very popular in that era of of discussion Mm -hmm. and it the first chunk of the movie is just sort of this um you know it's exploring the relationship that he has with uh, like his students who he's like sleeping with and his best friend who's like, who works at the university and is helping him with his studies. But then the second half of the movie is just like, he, he transforms into this crazy ass monster and there's all these like weird trippy acid flashbacks and Mm -hmm. sort of um, like Yodorowsky esque kind of imagery of like, like goat heads and monsters and shit. So that's not a horror film, but gives the same like gross, weird, creepy body horror experience tied to like psychedelic weirdness. You probably liked Antichrist, didn't you? I won't watch it. I have read about it and I know that I would hate it. I feel like you would like it based on this. You just like movies that are like just filled with nonsense nonsense it's like well i guess maybe nonsense but well like <laughs> nonsense doesn't sound it doesn't feel like the right word it's it's it's, it's not utter nonsense just like i it, like movies it, that it's like a dot to dot but like a bunch of the numbers are just missing yeah it, well it, it's movies that make you feel something without necessarily having a specific like script that brings you to that point like you're allowed to just sort of experience sure and you're left with just a fuck ton of questions like what Sure, but you felt it's like watching Aeon Flux or something. You're just like, what is happening here? Yeah, kind of similar. And so, it's, yeah, I so it that's the kind of stuff that I want to watch is stuff that it can be gross and horrific and whatever, but mm-hmm. gives you more than that. It it you can sit in it or you can sort of you, just like you your body just falls into that did, experience. Did you see Drag Me to Hell? No, this is not. That's not one of these movies, but like. This is the quintessential sort of opposite of that, where it's like uh, an homage to all these like sort of paint by numbers horror movies. Anyway, I that's another one that should be on my list. Oh, did you see uh, Get Out? Speaking yeah, I ju- I saw it in theaters pretty late, like maybe two weeks ago or something like that. And I liked it. I thought it was really good. I mean, it's a little um, obvious, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because. Uh, I think the message is trying to get out is mm-hmm. like 
it's important for that kind of movie to be made. So making it obvious, I think, makes it appeal to more people. Obvious in what way? Well, I mean... Not that I disagree. I just want... I, I think, like, it, you know exactly what's going to happen, like, by from the moment that he hits the deer. You think? Yeah. Everything forward, you're like, okay, yeah, I can see that coming. Oh, I know, like how this is going to get referenced later in the movie. Huh, that's interesting. Like, I was not surprised at any point in the movie. I was a little surprised. There were some some things that I was like, could go either way and went one way and where I thought maybe it would go the other way. But what I loved about that film, just uh, from a pure movie perspective, is just there's nothing wasted. Literally mm-hmm. ev- everything mm-hmm. is... They, everything gets referenced back. Even the like, even the very subtle conversations, the beginning of the yeah. movie, you're just like, wow. Yeah. And and I just read an article today. The budget for that movie was four and a half million dollars, and it's already made two hundred million. That's amazing. Yeah, good on you, uh, Jordan Peele. Yeah. And he's got like a fuck ton of deals lined up now for other stuff. Obviously. Yeah. Well, I heard that he's being courted to make Akira. Yeah. They said that, although if he's smart, he probably wouldn't do it because like that would be that'd be a death sentence because yeah. like, your first movie is such a big hit and that's d- almost destined to be a flop unless it's perfect. Yeah. And how is it going to be perfect? I think the only way that they could get away with it is if they didn't remake it, if they just made it like a exploration of the story in the same world mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Like That's hard. Yeah. And that, that's hard to do, too. But I think that's the only like potential parachute that he's got to rely on for that movie. Sure. If he takes it. Okay. Well, I think that now's a good time to move on to recommendations for the week. Um, what should I recommend this week? I'm trying to think of how my week has played out. If I've even, uh, Ooh, I want to recommend something so badly, but it's a movie that we're going to be talking about in a future episode of the show. So I don't want to spoil my sort of stance on the film by recommending it before we actually talk about it in one of the episodes. So maybe do you have a recommendation that you can throw down for some people? Other than Altered States? Yeah. Um, like what have you done in the past week that you're like, people should experience this thing? I, I sort of went on a, a binge rampage in this last week. And I've watched uh, and obtained a whole bunch of movies that I'm excited to... Well, now you have the internet, so... Yeah, now that I have the internet, um, for the first time in like two years, I'm going ham. Yeah. Um, so what I, What have I already watched? The things, the first couple of things I watched were sort of like flops. Um, I'm trying to remember, because you texted me the other day and you were like, yeah, I'm watching this thing. And it, I, I thought I remember you liking it, but now I can't for the life yeah, of me remember what, what it? it was. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I, I'm just trying to go back through my history here and see if there's something. Yeah, <clears throat> I watched Cat Soup again recently. Um, oh yeah, you're saying that. I don't even know what that is, is really. So it's a Japanese animation uh, about cats. There's a little cat boy and his uh, older cat sister, and. His sister is uh, ill, comatose, something like that. There's no uh, dialogue. And he, so his sister dies, essentially. Um, He goes into like the netherworld 
and sort of accidentally saves half of her soul, brings it back. And so she's awake, but she's like a vegetable pretty much. Cool. So the movie is them trying to find the other piece of her soul and bring it back. But um, I, would I recommend it? I don't know. It's interesting, but I, I don't think I would necessarily actively rewatch it. Huh. Um, but it, I think it's a good experience. If you're into anime, if you're into weird, trippy stuff, if you're into... Um, I mean that type things. of storytelling. I, yeah. I think it it's worth watching at least once. I'm definitely into all of those things. Um, like I, I feel like I could just sit and recommend stuff all day, but I don't know how many of them are. Have you seen Swiss Army Man, by the way? I don't want to see that. Yes, you do. Yes, oh, you do. It yes. just it looks like the lowest mm. browest. No, no, it's not. It's not. It's so good. Ugh. You can you should ask Andrew about it as well. You have to see this movie. You have to. I don't know. I'm not so keen on like it just looks like it's a bunch of fart jokes. No, it's not though. It's and it's like so not. Dumb bro humor. No, no. I I promise you you ha- like go home and watch this movie tonight so that you can tell me about how much you loved it. I guarantee you will like this movie cuz it is not at all what you think it's going to be. It's like almost like m- more like, I was going to say melancholy, but even further than that, it's, like, sad. Uh, well, I think that's it. I don't necessarily like watching sad movies either. Mm. I don't like movies that make me feel sad. No, it's... I'm always sad. You, I, I watch movies to feel good or weird. No, you're not going to be... At the end of it, you're not going to be like, oh, that was sad. You're just going to feel... It, you're going to feel weird. Just... Mm. I t- I'm, I'm telling you. I'm, I'm not convinced. You. Maybe I'll ask Andrew and I'll see if he can convince me because that's his superpower. But we we both like lost our mind after watching this movie. You have to see it. You have to. And the soundtrack is incredible. Is it? Yeah. All done by Andy Hall of uh, Manchester Orchestra. People are probably sick about sick of us talking about this movie. But I'm going through my list here. I haven't done anything too exciting this week. So my recommendation is going to be and I might have even done this already before, but if you live Riverdale in, no <laughs> that should have been yours I think yeah it should have been I'm uh, obsessed with Riverdale these days if you live in the city of Toronto I recommend that you go to a bar called Tilt hey because um, it's it's awesome I mean if you listen to this podcast then there's a good chance there's like a 99.9% chance yep. that this is the place for you yeah there's a high demographic overlap I think yeah there's a it's a $5 cover and you're like, what cover? Like, I don't want to go to this place, but you do because it's all just filled with arcade games, pinball machines. There's a Nintendo 64, a regular Nintendo, ski ball. They serve like popcorn and hot dogs and corn dogs and poutine and stuff. And all the games are free mm-hmm. with cover. So, yeah, I've I've described it uh, to Koji before as being like the um, the hangout, the foot clan hangout in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Yeah. It has that same vibe. There's always like a a movie being projected on the back wall and a, like a live DJ. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. And you don't have to wait too long for the games you want to play ever. Which I think is really important. So, yeah, check it out. Tilt Arcade Bar in Toronto. And I think uh and do not call it a barcade. Uh It's not legally allowed. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it for this week's episode. Thanks for uh, filling in for Andrew. We miss you, Andrew, desperately. I wish you were here to um, help me convince uh, convince you of uh, 
to watch Swiss Army Man. You, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you have to watch this movie. I'm, I'm it's not a must. It's yet. a must watch. I'll, I'll add it to the bottom of the list. No, listen. It should be the next one you watch. If you watch no other... No, I'm not going to go that far. But you should definitely, definitely check it out. All right. Thanks, guys. Until next week. Keep loving it. Yeah.